Okay. Are we just gonna go? Are we just gonna. I go think we're just gonna go. I think we're just gonna cold open. Uh, I guess. I guess I'll do the intro. I didn't have an intro written up, so. Well, you're the host. Right. Okay, no well, pressure we're all or anything. Hosts, but yeah. you have to do the you have the most podcasting experience. Okay. So you have to do all the the pickups. All right. Transitions. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Welcome to the Unnaturalists Podcast. This is a useless podcast where we talk about fantasy biology, mostly. We might also talk about, like, mermaid dicks. Wow. Yeah. Oh, good. That's what, we're st- that's what we're opening with, huh? I can redo it if you <laughs> no, want. No, no, this is good. This is good. It'll help prepare everyone, you know, for what's to come. Yeah, that's that's gonna let that set the the standard here. The tone. This is, set yeah, the set tone. the tone. Uh this is that kind of podcast. Uh, so what we do is we pick a fantasy animal each podcast or creature. In the, yeah, in the case where they're they have human bits, I being, guess they're not fantasy yeah, beings. fantasy being. And we talk about uh, how it's put together and how it works or maybe how it doesn't work in a lot of cases probably. <laughs> but <laughs> So, yeah, the point of this podcast is that we talk about fantasy biology in hopefully a fairly scientific way we've got amongst us three nerds one of whom is an actual scientist tori you should give your credentials because that's literally the only thing that we're writing on here <laughs> absolutely oh, no. yeah give us so much validity yeah yeah your, this is a your mere presence uh, okay so disclaimer my so i do have a phd in biology but my phd is in evolutionary and the- or sorry evolutionary and comparative immunology um, so not physiology or anatomy, but I'm the best you got. So yeah. there you go. That's definitely the theme of the podcast. That's the best we could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all about explaining how something could work, not yeah. coming up with all the reasons in the world why it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's no fun. Just being like, that's stupid and that doesn't make any sense. You can't just jam a, a man torso onto a horse. That's no fun. We're going to try to, uh, with as much science as we can fold into the idea, explain the ways in which something could work and how we might be able to modify it a little bit and maintain the same spirit or idea, but make it work biologically. Mm. So, uh, for this, our first episode ever of all time, uh, we're going to talk about mermaids, a classic do we want to introduce ourselves? Oh, uh, we probably should. I mean, the subject matter, the science is really what we're here for. The science. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Evan. I'm theoretically the host. Uh, I'm Tora. I'm, I guess, a co-host. Uh, a You're the scientist. I'm the scientist. Yeah, you I'm have technically an the scientist here. Oh no. She has a PhD. I don't know if you if you missed that. An actual PhD. Mm-hmm. That you paid a lot of money for, I'm sure. No, actually, somebody paid me to get the PhD, but never mind wow. that. <laughs> How do you get that yeah. deal? Yeah. Listen, if you are in science and you're not getting paid to get your PhD, you're doing something wrong. So, um, yes, that is something you should know. If you are a, uh, if you are a currently a student in an, an undergraduate university, do not pay for your graduate degree. They should pay you. Okay, good. That's the most educational thing you'll get out of this podcast, I yep. promise. I'm Kim, the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Kim knows a lot more about fantasy creatures than me, so those are your credentials. I'm you, glad. You play more D&D than I do, and you... All them video games? You, so many video games. All right, so let's talk about mermaids. Absolutely. How do mermaids work? Okay, here's the obvious, the obvious first question. Are they fish or are they mammals? Do they got titties or do they not got titties? Yeah, this is my question too as to whether you want to start here because if they are mammals or at least if they are endothermic, that is uh, warm-blooded, we have to solve that whole problem of them um, having a way to keep themselves warm. So if they're mammals, then they're probably going to have a layer of blubber. If they're not, or if they're just, uh, sorry, cold-blooded, 
then um, we don't necessarily need that layer of blubber. So I guess that's, you know, I had a structure written up for this podcast that I'm not following at all. I know, but yeah, look, look, pull that up. (laughs) Yeah. So the first, the first thing we should probably talk about is traditionally what a mermaid looks like, what features it has, what kind of qualifies it as a mermaid as opposed to some other thing. Mermaids are popular enough that I'm pretty sure most people have an idea in their head already when you say the word mermaid, what we're talking about here. Sure, but uh, let's say that we're excluding like bipedal fish people. I don't think that mm. counts as a mermaid for what we're talking about. Maybe we'll cover that in a different episode, like the the merfolk from, uh, you know, like D&D or Magic the Gathering or what have you. Yeah, there are definitely different variations of aquatic peoples, but I think mermaids specifically are the most prevalent too, even over like mermen, which mm. are usually insinuated as also existing at the same time. Yeah, but mermaids are definitely the more prevalent. Yeah, so let's clarify, we're talking about both genders of the thing that is traditionally thought of as a mermaid. So fish, tail, human, torso. Uh, The specifics of that vary a little bit, but fish bottom half, human top half, humanoid top half, rather. Hmm. We have to sort of establish where they live. So like I said, we're not talking about the bipedal versions of merfolk or whatever who could theoretically be amphibious. We're talking about exclusively ocean-dwelling critters. I um, found some interesting information on where they originated. Oh yeah? Um, as, Tell us. Because the idea of mermaids are pretty, as a concept, it's pretty widespread. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere in the world has There's their own interpretation of mermaids. Horny sailors everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, the earliest instance of them I could find was in 8th century BC Assyria. There's a, a goddess, which is, she goes into a lake and she essentially becomes half fish. Hmm. There's other gods too, like um, like Triton, you know, and other gods like that. There's tons of sea gods that are that come before that, but as far as ones that are actually like half fish, fish, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are the the earliest instances I could find. Also, like, the Odyssey, of course, has, like, oh. sirens. Sirens are bird women, though, aren't they? Yeah, they they sometimes, I feel like, are related to mermaids, and sometimes not. You know? they It, it varies a little. But it's, like, adjacent is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes sirens are interpreted as being mermaids. Sometimes they overlap a lot, because they have that sort of, like, Femme fatale thing going oh, yeah. on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. No women on them boats, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so are we going to assume that there's both fresh and saltwater mermaids since we've got a lake mermaid? Are we gonna assume that they live in so I feel like traditionally uh the most mermaid tales come from like the Atlantic Ocean which is massive so there's a lot of different like temperature zones mm. but there are a lot of like shipping or there were a lot of shipping routes between Europe and the Americas and this is based on no research whatsoever because um that's not how I roll <laughs> but <laughs> but um uh, I feel like there have been a lot of mermaid tales associated with that specific area of the world, and also the Mediterranean, probably. Uh, I remember reading something about Christopher Columbus having very matter-of-factly talked about mermaids. Really? Yes, yeah. this is true. I also read this, that when he was in the Caribbean, I believe, and uh, around the Florida coast, he saw manatees is what Uh people now looking back think that he actually saw. I remember reading the exact quote that he wrote down in his journals was something like, it was along the lines of, oh, I've seen seen mermaids, but they weren't quite as beautiful as I expected them to be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Chris. Okay. No need to body shame the manatees. All right, so most mermaids in that case, we're going to assume, live in kind of a a tropical area. Like, the Mediterranean is certainly very warm, and the Caribbean is certainly very warm. So I guess we'll start with that, and then we'll expand outward into potential cold-weather 
cold water mermaids, Arctic mermaids. That's an interesting concept, Arctic mermaids. So the the rules, we have rules on this podcast. Um, and the rules are that anything we can explain with uh, biology, we must explain with biology. We can't just say like, oh, it's magic, because that's no fun. Like that misses the point. So rule number one, uh, it's just magic is a no fun e- excuse and we're not going to use it. Rule number two, all of the physics and laws of biology that apply on Earth will apply unless otherwise specified. If we're talking about a creature from a specific other world like Westeros where they have clearly there's like some kind of difference going on with the solar system there because they have winters that last nine years and stuff like that. So unless it specifically and exclusively comes from another planet or universe where different physics or laws of biology apply that we know about, we're going to assume that Earth rules apply. Um, Also, we got to assume that it has a physical, biological form of some kind. We're not particularly interested in ghost physics. (laughs) We might have like a special about that at some point, but... So we're going to we're going to try to explain these things as much as possible like within the parameters of like science. Actual science. Actual science. This is a science podcast. Okay, so let's let's cycle back around to are they fish or are they mammals? Okay. I can give you like in my opinion what I what I would lean towards. Mm-hmm. That being said, when I was trying to sort this question out of what are they, I sort of came to the conclusion that it doesn't necessarily matter which one they are, because within each, there's tons of exceptions. I would agree with mm-hmm. Kim. Sure, people will say, like, oh, only, only like, if they have scales, it must be a fish, or, or if it has, you know, hair, it has to be a mammal. But there are exceptions to all of those quote-unquote rules throughout the animal kingdom, and if I'm not mistaken, you can chime in on this, Torah. But all of that sort of which which group that you're classified in is more about like the evolution of your skeleton of your skeletal system and things like that is more of what defines you as a mammal versus a reptile. Mm-hmm. Well, that was definitely true, um, you know, like 50 years ago. Now with that we have like genetic testing technology, um, things are being regrouped and reclassified all the time. Um, which is kind of cool. Like there was, I remember uh, years ago, there was the Whippo hypothesis, which was a hypothesis that hippos and whales were closely related. And then um, genetic testing confirmed that, which is pretty cool. So you're saying like they can be fish and still have mammary glands. So I don't mean to like dig into this too much, but this is a thing that mermaids like mermaids always have boobs in in like art and stuff i i would prefer that they didn't frankly it would be much cooler if we had like fish-bodied mermaids that would be rad but i feel like this is if we're sticking to sort of mermaid tradition this is pretty critical to the mermaid design that they have a top half that looks pretty darn much like a woman okay yeah sure. slash man but like, there's there's plenty of uh instances in the animal kingdom where something is evolved like uh, caterpillars have spots that look like eyes but are not their actual eyes you know mm. meant to look like a snake or something like that um you know maybe mermaids don't actually have mammary glands but have the likeness of boobies to attract <laughs> sailors so that they can grab them and kill them and eat them. Mm. That seems like it would be um, a disadvantageous soul food source. But yeah, that I mean, that's a very valid point that the the boobies could in fact be decoy boobies specifically to to lure prey, much like an angler fish or what have you. Okay, how about this? Then maybe mermaids don't need to feed solely on sailors, but maybe like a mosquito, they need blood to breed. So in order... Oh, wow. <laughs> mermaids just got dark. <laughs> this is good content. <laughs> so maybe they uh, use the boobies to lure and attract the sailors, then they take their blood meal, and uh, then they can mate and... 
deposit their eggs? I'm not sure. Well, if they're mammals, they don't have eggs. Unless they're monotremes. Well, there you go. See, I think... I think because they're also always... Not always, but they're usually portrayed as having hair and mammary glands and um, belly buttons, which would insinuate that they had umbilical cords. That's true. I think that all of that evidence is pretty compounding to them being mammals. Okay, but even even snakes have a belly button. Do they? Snakes have belly buttons? Well, so, sometimes you can see it on them, but sometimes there's, like, a scale that will have, like, a little line in it. And you're like, ah. Granted, it doesn't. It also doesn't have to be a belly button. I mean, maybe they work like seahorses, you know? Where it's just kind <laughs> oh. of where they, uh... They shoot their babies. Yeah, where they of, shoot their yeah. babies into each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that answers the questions of, like, where's their mergina? Yeah, so... where do mermaids come from? <laughs> Tina Belcher voice. If I see any mermaids, I'm going to ask them where their merginas are. Maybe um, it's right there. We've been looking at it the whole time, and we oh just no. assumed it was a belly button. <laughs> okay. This is it. Okay. On the flip side of that, scales. A lot of mermaids are depicted as having scales. Can mammals have scale-like structures? This is not something that I have ever seen, but I am not as learned on these things. I actually do know of a mammal that has scales. Pangolin? Yeah. Those, You're right. They're, they're like keratin-based yeah. scales. They're, they're sort of like, they're sort of like fingernails almost, right? Or like uh, made up know. of some sort of hair-like structure. I think but that you're yes. right, Kim, because I do know what a pangolin... For those of you who don't know, a pangolin is a, the most adorable creature in the world. It's precious and darling, and we have to save them. They're critically endangered. Um... But they're a little bit like an armadillo in that they have body armor, but it's in the shape of little scales all over them. And they walk very hunched forward, like little, they always look like they're nervously about to give their superior bad news. <laughs> they, they walk with their little heads forward and their little claws together and their short little back legs plodding along. Oh, they're wonderful. Okay, so um, I'm pretty convinced that that mermaids are mammals. How do we feel? I have a weird question. Okay. How do we feel about mermaids being reptiles? Now, hear me out. Turtles are reptiles. Okay. And people often assume them to be amphibious because sea turtles specifically can exist largely in the water and only ever come up on land when they want to lay their eggs. I mean... Reptiles can have skin, and they can have scales. There's that weird frog that has little, like, skin follicles that look alarmingly like hair. That That's hairy amphibians. frog. Oh, oh, you're right, right, okay. But, but reptiles. reptiles are also a, what's called a paraphyletic group, so they're not, like, oh boy. How, how do I explain this? In, in layman's terms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, we kind of arbitrarily group together uh, turtles and crocodiles and snakes and lizards, um, even though they don't form a, like, single cohesive branch. Really, you should, it should just be, like, snakes and lizards together, and then crocodiles should be off with birds, and then turtles should be on their own. But, sorry, side rant. <laughs> You know, and I, I think this goes back to our initial point that we were talking about. We probably shouldn't get too caught up on what are they and more about how does it work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, whether they're a, a mammal, a fish, a reptile, or a amphibian, I think is probably semantics at some point. At some point, it just, you just end up going around in circles. All right. I feel like warm-blooded or cold-blooded is important. That's true. If they're going to look like mermaids in drawings, then I think they're probably cold-blooded. Oh, yeah? Really? Uh, I would have thought warm-blooded, so I want to hear your explanation for cold-blooded. Uh, just because they don't have the blubber um, layer that, like, manatees, which live in Florida, still mm -hmm. do, mm -hmm. but still, it's just tough to keep yourself warm in water because uh, water's such a good... Um, it transfers heat so so readily as opposed to air. That makes sense. Reproductively, how do <laughs> here um, we go? No, no, 
I can't, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm the one who's like asking all the weird questions. But like th- this thing you brought up where like they use sailors for their blood to breed. Please explain how that works in mosquitoes. <laughs> I, I actually don't know. I just know that that's why, for instance, uh, there's no problem releasing a bunch of sterile male mosquitoes. You're not going to transmit malaria that way by releasing a bunch of male mosquitoes into the environment. It's only female mosquitoes who are feeding off of humans and other things. That's fascinating. I feel like I did read that somewhere, but I had totally forgotten it. So, do they lay eggs in the corpses of the sailors? Whoa! I like that. I mean, they would have to drag them overboard and, like, into the depths, wouldn't they? Wait, wait, wait. And we're assuming that they're laying eggs now. Like... Like, a, in an aquatic environment, too. So mm-hmm. not like turtles. Mm-hmm. More like like frogs, where they'd lay eggs that would sort of grow into little tadpole mermaids. <laughs> tadpole mermaids! Like I love it. Tiny, they'd oh, be kind of creepy. I saw a really great, um, like, artist depiction of uh, a creepy-ass mermaid where it started off as, like, a fish that... Uh, emerged from an egg and then like slowly a human like head poked out of the mouth and then it would get further and further out until it was just the fish's mouth that was around the waist oh it was great wow that's really interesting (laughs) that's a whole other hypothesis uh like uh humanoid creature like taking over the body of a fish or you know those um they're like parasitic creatures that will like lay eggs in other creatures. And when you described that, I was imagining like a mermaid laid an egg in a fish and the mermaid part is the human part and it just sort of assimilated the fish part. What if it's like some sort of creepy symbiotic relationship? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're going to assume it only has one brain and it's one creature. Yeah, yeah. It's let's have fish, yeah. half maybe fish, all, you know... <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's let's Occam's razor the symbiotic yeah, yeah, yeah. fish mammal <laughs> parasitic creature. Although it's one, the, it's one animal. It's a mermaid. DMs one being. DMs, just keep that in your back pocket. <laughs> just use that for world building. Mermaids are a horrifying symbiotic creature. Okay. Um I mean I kind of like the seahorse idea, honestly, for their babies. I oh, mean, that we the never male see, seahorses have maybe the babies? Maybe we never see the mermen because, you know, they're all down deep underwater making lots of babies, you know? And so I love it. Canon now. I mean... Um, alternatively, and- remember how we were talking earlier about, um, and by earlier listeners, I mean, you weren't here. You weren't privy to this conversation. We're friends in real life. Um, <laughs> the anglerfish... Where the males are little teeny fish that look to- like they're like 100% sexually dimorphic, and the males look nothing like the females. And when the the male finds a female, it bites onto her stomach and then just becomes absorbed into her body until he is nothing but a pair of testicles that just indefinitely fertilize her eggs for her. It's an interesting relationship. <laughs> well, I mean, we never see mermen mermails yeah. i mean i feel like and i f- isn't that i'm i keep asking you questions as though you know everything in the world torah but i think that is that was a puzzle for a long time with the anglerfish because scientists kept pulling up anglerfish and being like these are female ang- why are they all females where are the male anglerfish why have we never found a male anglerfish and it was because the male anglerfish is this tiny little minnow looking thing that looks like a completely different species than the female. I mean, yeah, probably so. I I didn't know about that, but I mean, I just knew that the males did that that thing where they kind of get absorbed, but I didn't know that uh, that's how they discovered it. But yeah, that sounds plausible to me. There's some Scottish folklore about mermen where they're like described as being blue and having like gray beards. And, really? Yeah, yeah. They're called, I have it written down actually, they're called the... The Blue Men of Minch. They have a whole tale about them. Only in Minch, though, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, yeah. They only exist in this one Do they also have area. tails? Yeah, I think other other than being blue and having gray beards, those two specific facts, they're pretty typical mermaids. Ah, all right. Yeah. They're transgender mermaids. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't really know, so... Um, yeah, so... 
But those are the maybe those are like the only mermails in the world. Maybe. I assume I mean they need more mermails because I mean this whole this whole group of beings or creatures, however you would like to call it, I mean they they have to we have to assume that they're reproducing somewhere. That yeah. they're that they're yeah. a self-sustaining structure. And we could definitely have different species of mermaid like creatures across That's the world. True. Yeah, That's subspecies true. of mermaid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's feasible like within the same species or okay. I was going to say it seems unlikely that uh one subspecies would have extreme sexual dimorphism or maybe even reproduce asexually and then another subspecies that's closely related would have like two sex like uh uh similar sexes um but no there's lizards that do that that's a thing and then also there's that whole thing where there's snakes and then there's uh like legless lizards and then there's eels and they're totally different things but they just physically look very similar so yeah i don't see why you couldn't have like mermaids with extreme sexual dimorphism and then mermaids who reproduce asexually and then a whole other subspecies of mermaids that do reproduce sexually in the way that humans do and they have mermen and women I mean, I kind of like the idea of mermaids being like a, a an all female society, mm-hmm. as you could call it, like mm-hmm. uh, like the Asari in Mass Effect. Right. You know, this whole or, race just happens to be only have, very they only have one sex. attractive. Or there's uh, <laughs> there's those lizards, uh, those whip tails that are all female, and then there's an even more interesting. I can't remember what they are um, called. But there's a species of lizard that mates with males of different species. And basically, they're just sperm stealers. They don't use the sperm at all, but they're basically uh, trying to take the other species' sperm to prevent them from reproducing. Okay, I feel like we have an explanation for why they seduce sailors now. They see humans as... They see humans as competition, and they're like, all right, we gotta stop these fuckers from reproducing. (laughs) Maybe eat them, but Actually, eating them is just a bonus, you know? That's not bad. That kind of fits into the... It fits in line with the lore, I feel like, around mermaids. Yeah, know? it does, because you never see, like, mer-person, human... I mean, mer-people kind of, by default, are, like, humanoid. Mm-hmm. But you never hear of, like, mermaids having half-human babies with the sailors that they seduce. They do have a and, lot of tales about mermaids that like when they go on land they like become people you know or they like lose their fish half when they're not in Sounds water. Sounds more like selkies right? Mm-hmm. Yeah kind of like selkies but there's a lot of tales of mermaids. I mean that's that's a little more out there in my opinion. Like there's yeah. a lot of creatures in folklore that transform from one thing to another but. Yeah but that kind of extreme metamorphosis is pretty rare in yeah. nature. Especially if we're assuming that they're mammals or mammal adjacent because, well, certainly like frogs and like insects go through dramatically different like life stages, but um, I don't know of anything that like has a larval stage and then an adult stage and then it reverts back or like switching back back and and forth. forth Yeah, I, I can't think of anything like that, no. So that's maybe just wishful thinking on mm-hmm. some horny horny uh, sailors' part. Are they are they stealing the sperm? Are they laying their eggs in the <laughs> in the mer? So I guess again, like because there are so many different mermaids from different bits of folklore, you could also have ones that like give birth to live young and ones that lay eggs. So we don't have to narrow that down necessarily. What do you think would be the most practical reproductive method? though, for, like, an ocean-dwelling mermaid, since I guess that's the most traditional type of mermaid, like an Atlantic Ocean temperate uh, climate mermaid, such that Christopher Columbus may have seen in his in his journey. Also, fuck Christopher Columbus, by the way. Just, yeah. <laughs> he was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. He did a lot of colonialism. Bad guy. <laughs> Well, I mean, a tried-true strategy in uh, 
in the ocean is just spew out a bunch of gametes and uh, then hope they meet the other gamete and then just uh, hope they make a zygote and then hope that they survive. So that would be like the spew your eggs into the ocean type strategy. And then, then there's the more like whale type strategy where you have one well-developed young and then you uh, really um, put all your eggs in that one basket essentially and really care your for them. Your figurative eggs into that literal egg oh, basket. Right. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, I... Are there any... Uh, any reports of child or baby mermaids? I don't think I've ever seen one. Not no. to my knowledge. I mean, I'm sure there there are ones where like young mermaids exist in folklore, but as far as like like really young like children, like babies, not so much. I'm liking more and more the idea of it looking like a fish until it gets to like a more of an <laughs> adolescent stage and then the the person grows out of the mouth <laughs> <laughs> and it's horrifying yeah or maybe this is another thing this is we're back to the the seahorse theory which we never see the young mermaids because they're somewhere with the male mermaids getting reared in a, a little mermaid nursery somewhere and not until they're like adolescent mermaids do they go up and start hunting down sailors to steal their sperm <laughs> 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 I like this this uh well image of mermaid society that we have crafted. If the mermaids are stealing sperm from the sailors, as you I just really them, like this theory, okay? Do they would the male mermaids still exist then? Yeah. Well, yeah, still... because the female mermaids are actually reproducing with the male mermaids. They're just uh like essentially wearing out the human so that they're less able to reproduce. Yeah. Okay. So we're assuming they don't kill them then? Well, I mean, that also may be true. Because, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, unless they just eat them like you suggested for their blood or their mating (laughs) season. But we're assuming that they do drag them into the sea because there's a lot of... Well, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, there have been plenty of nice mermaids in folklore. That's true. So, yeah. Um, Something to consider. I feel like they're more more often sinister than nice, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Probably and this true. this probably... I'm, I'm going a little off topic, but this probably has something to do with the psychology of the era about women. You know, that women are yeah. seductresses. So, like... I mean, folklore's rampant with oh, that. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I do feel like it is more common for mermaids to be, like, sinister seductresses. And that's why I liked that theory. It's not just because I'm now est- apparently establishing myself as the horny one of the, <laughs> the podcast. But, um, no, I mean, sincerely, I think that fits with the lore. Like, the sort of... I Either killing them or, like seducing them away from their wives to make them less capable of reproducing. I I do agree with you. That is the norm. I did find this tale once, though, uh, of, a, of a pretty cool mermaid, which is the Mermaid of Warsaw. Apparently the coat of arms of Warsaw, Poland, which is the capital of Poland, um, is a mermaid holding, like, a shield and a sword. I did know that because the game Warsaw... Uh, your little player token in that game is a mermaid with a shield and yeah, a sword. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So apparently throughout Poland, they have, like, statues of this heroic mermaid warrior just, like, all over the place. And it goes back to some some tale of, like, a, a mermaid who, like, helped out, like, a prince or something at some point. So there are a few tales of them being nice, is my point. And they're pretty cool, but the norm is definitely not that. Yeah. I also think we have not yet addressed that uh, based on most tales, mermaids are intelligent. Like, they're of near-human intelligence. Oh, yeah. So you would have to assume that even amongst them, even if they have uh, sort of a uh, an instinct, a, a species-wide prime directive, that there there certainly would be individuals who are like, no, I've decided I just like that one, you know? I've decided I want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So... so- you're suggesting that ins- there's something about them instinctually that makes them want to kill sailors and drag them <laughs> overboard, but there could be exceptions. Yeah, sure. I think that lines up pretty well. Yeah, I think uh, it's, you know, 
like drow in D&D. Drow are theoretically all evil or whatever, but then you've got this one fucker who decided to be chaotic good and have a pet panther, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. It's the Legend of Drist series. It's very bad. It ruined D&D. Everybody wanted to have a chaotic good drow ranger after that, but point is, they're, they're based on everything we know, at least fairly intelligent and could make conscious decisions to go against their either societal norms vis-a-vis killing sailors or whatever instinct they have to kill sailors to stop them from reproducing. Or aid their own reproduction. Yeah, or just because they hate people. (laughs) Just fuck them. (laughs) Fuck Chris Columbus. (laughs) Shame none of those manatees killed him. Yeah, manatees are pretty docile. They are, yeah. They're They're very... Nice creature. Yeah, they're sea cows is very apt. They I do got just... to, I got to pet a manatee once. Oh really? Yeah, I like... went uh, snorkeling in Florida, and they have like little bays there where the manatees like to hang out. And they, you're like right near the surface of the water, but the the manatees will like swim right under you. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're they're huge. They're way bigger than you think they are when you imagine them but like when they're right it's under like you, moose you they're like way bigger than yeah you. <laughs> yeah yeah they're way bigger than you expect them to be until they're like a foot from you <laughs> but they're very soft they're very nice kind of like actual cows but mm. not furry just kind of like a really smooth rock almost you know oh. where it feels kind of like it's got a, a thin algae on it or something oh all right yeah. evan what's the most unusual thing you've gotten to pet the most unusual thing animal um it's probably not that interesting. Maybe like a stingray or something. Just like at, I've pet a dolphin. Uh, my family, like my parents uh, got divorced when I was 11 and then they kind of competed with each other for who could <laughs> take us on the best vacations, you know? So um, <laughs> yeah, I went on a lot of vacations as a kid and uh, we did one of those swimming with dolphins thing. It was uh, very commercialized. I didn't feel a spiritual connection with the dolphins <laughs> at all, but um <laughs> Yeah, dolphins feel very, like, quite pleasant, sort mm-hmm. of odd. They've, it's kind of rubbery, like, they've got kind of rubbery skin, but it's softer and smoother than rubber. Mm-hmm. Oh, a bat. I've pet a bat. Oh, nice. Bats are cute. Yeah, they're so soft. They're little, they have very, very fine hair on their bodies. So silky. It was very nice. Sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Bats are great. How about you? Yeah. Um, the best thing I've ever gotten to pet was a platypus, a duckbill <gasps> platypus. That's and, a good one. Yeah. That is very good. And usually you have to pay a lot of dollars to pet them, but, um, because my lab, um, from my PhD research studied marsupials, my lab sister kind of talked us into getting a, like, she talked the keepers into getting us backstage tour at this, uh, this uh, sanctuary in Australia, and then we got to pet a platypus, which had just come out of the water, and it felt pretty much dry. It was amazing. That's rad. Wow. Yeah. What What was the fur texture like? Extremely soft and very thick. Like a like a little wet chinchilla or something. It It felt like a mink coat, actually. Wow. Yeah, but like, and it had just come out of the water, and it was like little water droplets were on there, but the fur felt completely dry. It was amazing. That's wild. Wild. Alternate hypothesis, mermaids have fur. It's just like seal fur, and when it's wet, it's so smooth that they look like they just have smooth skin. That, yeah. I'm into it. (laughs) I mean, they would still need, like, longer hair, Yes, but this is part of the decoy system they have to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something that I was trying to reconcile earlier, but I could not, was um, why they would have this transition from, like, smooth skin to scales at the waistline. Yeah, there's no like it practical purpose for that that I can have think of. Something to do with like if they if they live near the surface of the water, maybe it has to do with like how they breach the water so often. You know, somehow mm-hmm. it changes from one to the other. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Or I guess it could be another. Um, I don't know, kind of. A camouflage type thing, like oh, my fish half is here under the water, and my yeah, part human... of the part of the anglerfish luring system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole 
top half, just a decoy to lure <laughs> the creature only exists from the waist down. <laughs> I mean, like, that's probably fairly in keeping with, like, folklore, to be fair. But, um, yeah, I, I, granted, I'm not the scientist here. I can't think of a, of a good reason as it pertains to, like, locomo- locomotion or, like, body temperature or anything like that. Yeah, I got nothing. Maybe somebody else. Maybe somebody else can at you or whatever. <laughs> yeah, at me on Twitter. I mean, it could have something to do with we we assume that they don't have fins on the upper half of their body, even though they're better at swimming. If mm-hmm. you have fins on the upper half and the lower half, so we assume they use their hands a lot for things. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's you a know, good point. For yeah, like, I don't know if they do any like climbing or grabbing onto rocks or grabbing onto those sailors so they can pull them <laughs> yeah. into the water. I mean, they must use but... tools or something because yeah, hands I mean, are... they could have a you know, and they're usually portrayed as being intelligent, so they're usually depicted with some sort of implication of a society or the ability to use tools and all these things. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that would make sense. Also, like, in terms of swimming, having hands is not very efficient. Like, from an evolutionary standpoint. That's not very, like, hydrodynamic and it doesn't, like, help with your swimming at all. So, like, dolphins, even though they're very intelligent and, like, theoretically probably could build things if they wanted to or make tools they don't have hands or arms or like fine motor skills presumably just because swimming is more important because they swim long distances and Mm -hmm. stuff so but i assume the mermaids do need to be very good at swimming too because Mm -hmm. they have the whale-like tails you know that go up and down and maybe those large fins which are usually portrayed that mm-hmm. way, so... Okay, let's... Otters ha- have hands. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, and they do a lot of dexterous little yeah, thingy. Mm-hmm. And they can just, if they want to go fast, they just hold their hands next to their side and, you know, propel themselves forward with their yeah. torso and tail. Otters do have, like, very narrow shoulders, though. That's like, true. they have, like, their, their head and neck kind of flows together into... They have long, sleek bodies. So, like, yeah, those those mermaid shoulders are not very efficient for swimming. Um, we do, I feel like, even in folklore, more typically see mermaids in shallow water near land or in lakes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very possible that they just don't do, like, long-distance deep-sea travel. Actually, I feel like this sort of supports the whole idea of them being a bit related to creatures like dolphins and whales because a lot of those creatures tend to stay more towards shallow waters and they don't usually go below like 10,000 feet or something like that like a lot of fish do and more of like those deep sea creatures you know I think it makes sense if they this also goes into like one of the biggest issues I had with trying to make mermaids work (laughs) was make mermaids work the breathing thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it also would imply that they probably do have lungs, you know, Mm -hmm. if there are more surface-dwelling and shallows-dwelling creature, I think that they probably do breach the surface very often to breathe. They could also do both, like, potentially. Yeah, there there are animals that have both lungs and gills, so they could have gills that are just, like, well camouflaged, like, maybe... Mermaids um, aren't usually portrayed with having gills, though. Don't get me wrong. I per I personally prefer the more creature esque interpretation of a mermaid, where they have like webbed hands and gills and like like sort of weird seaweedy or tentacly hair, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But if we're going with like the traditional interpretation, they don't usually have gills. That's true, although, like, if you look at most fish, it's kind of hard to see the gills on the fish. Also, this is a thing, it it took me a long time to realize this, I'm saying, like, in my young adult life, but for whatever reason, in a lot of, like, I'm thinking of, like, Waterworld, and, like, there's definitely some kind of mermaid Disney Channel original series where, like, humanoids have gills. In those sort of things, they always put the gills on the neck, but... 
on fish, their gills are, like, closer to, like, their chests. Like, they're on the side of, like, their shoulders, right? Like, because fish don't quite have the same body plan as humans. Well, fish don't have a neck. Yeah, so. yeah, but their gills are more... I guess they're up by their head. I don't know. I just feel like they're... So with the fish, I'm I'm not 100% sure this is how it works, but I think this is how it works. The water flows into their mouth, and then it kind of flows out of the... Um, gills so i would huh. think that a mermaid would also have to do that it would have to take water in through their mouth and then the most efficient way i think would be to go out the neck and not so much out the sides hmm. mm-hmm. unless it was somehow connected if they had lungs and gills if it was somehow a connected system and it would just go like out and around the torso and the boobies yeah <laughs> like in the area under their arms or around their rib cage maybe wouldn't want it to get but, blocked yeah though. that's mm-hmm. the thing Anyway, yeah, my point with that was I, the, like, as I was thinking about this, it made more sense that if a humanoid creature had gills, it would, it seems more efficient that their gills be larger and, like, more on their ribs or something like that. So more like shark gills. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think still the, the water needs to go in the mouth and then out to get that kind of flow going on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but sharks are of, like, a comparable size and weight to humans, and their gills are definitely, like, again, they don't have necks either, (laughs) but, um, like, when you look at a shark's gills relative to the size of its body, that's a much bigger gill than could fit on a human's neck. Yes, that's true. They don't necessarily need gills, though. That's true. I mean, they could just be, like, in the same way dolphins are, like, aquatic mammals that breathe air. And just have to breach from time to time. Which, that would, however, suggest that they don't have big underwater cities or whatever, just because why would you? You know, if... if yeah. Why would you build a house that you can't sleep in, where, mm-hmm. in a place where it doesn't rain? <laughs> maybe they have some way to make... Um, I don't know, maybe they have air pockets and some way to, like, oxygenate them? Sure. With some sort of plant? Maybe. I mean, yeah, if they're... They are intelligent, although um, even in, like, modern, with the exception of maybe Aquaman, even in most modern media, uh, mermaids are depicted as having a relatively rudimentary technology, like, technology threshold and, like, society. So, like, they might have mer houses down there underneath the lake or whatever, but you don't see them with air engines or whatever pumping into their little mer houses uh unless we're talking like the gungans in, I was thinking yeah gungans. How they have those like bubble <laughs> those the yeah the swamp houses that have bubbles to keep them uh full of air there are some turtles that can stay underwater for months at a time Really? Months? Yeah, no, there are for months at a time. Granted, they usually go into, like, a hibernation state sort of deal. They, like, slow down all their systems. But they can stay underwater for a very long while. Hmm. That I is, didn't know that. Yeah, that's at a very yeah. alarming length of time for an air-breathing creature to stay submerged. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. even even when they're not hibernating... There are some, I believe turtles can hold their breath for, there are some turtles, like sea turtles, that can hold their breath for several hours at a time. I guess that makes more sense for a turtle than for a mammal, because don't turtles have slower metabolisms? So, yeah. Anything that's ectothermic has a slower metabolism. Yeah, so it would theoretically consume oxygen a lot more slowly than, like, a whale or a dolphin would. Yeah, dolphins and whales, I remember reading, were a lot less. There was yeah. something like 90 minutes or something. Like, that was the most they could go. Yeah, I feel like dolphins... I, I, Which this, is still a long this time. Is probably but... not, this is probably not, uh, like, their maximum, but I feel like uh, I have been told by people who know what they're talking about that <laughs> that dolphins breach, like, every six minutes or something like that. Wow. That's just, yeah. like, the most comfortable, like, rate for them to breathe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Like, when they're sleeping, they stay submerged for, like, 30 minutes at a time. Which presumably, again, is not their maximum, because I would imagine they don't push it to the maximum Mm -hmm. for safety reasons. But Yeah. But, yeah, so, if you're talking about something that can only 
hold its breath for something like an hour at a time, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to build underwater houses to live in. I also remember reading about turtles that could absorb oxygen from the water through their skin. Which I thought Maybe. was an interesting mm-hmm. idea. I mean, there's definitely uh, quite a few amphibians that do that. And then yeah. even like the um, the marsupial species that I studied, um, they're born without functional lungs and they, they have to respire. Respire. Am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> they have to do respiration through <laughs> their <you>. skin. <laughs> through their skin for like the first week of life um, while their lungs develop. That's fascinating. So, I mean, that seems there very are... ineffic- Like, nature's super inefficient, guys. Nature is really bad. I mean, like, well, it's, it's very lazy. Or... Yeah. yeah, it's it's like the laziest ever. So, the quick fix is always the fix it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Evolution. Yeah. It's, it, and then anything <laughs> Looking that's... Looking for the quick way out. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if they can breathe through their skin, and I don't know if that's efficient like in the long term like if a, a creature could live its entire life like that i think underwater. they're too big yeah. yeah they do do a lot of activity plus like with the intelligence and like their other activities again mm-hmm. dragging sailors to their death also mm-hmm. the warmer the water is the less oxygen is going to be um dissolved in it and since we're talking about like, caribbean mermaids mm-hmm. i didn't know that that's very interesting um so yeah, maybe they uh, they like live in sea caves or something like that, oh, yeah, it, as opposed right. to like living permanently underwater. There's plenty of cave systems on coasts and stuff like and that. And we know that sea caves are deadly to humans, so oh, yeah. they would be very safe from us because mm-hmm. of the mermaids. Yeah, it's not even the undertow; it's the mermaids. Mermaids. <laughs> That's why people get lost in them all the time. They're getting killed by the mermaids. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mermaids are real, guys. And they have lungs? I think they. I think it makes sense for them to have lungs, yeah. All right. Um, I like this. I mean, it makes sense to me, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think lungs and gills are possible, but... Like you said, there's not many depictions of mermaids with gills. Uh, and... If they're if they are in fact mammals or mammal adjacent, I feel like it'd be much less likely that they have gills. And you know, very there are so people associate mermaids and Atlantis a lot, but Atlantis is actually a whole separate other thing. Like Atlantis, the the myth of Atlantis mm-hmm. is about like a human civilization that got sunk into the ocean. Yeah. So as far as mermaids having like a complex uh, society with I shouldn't say that society is not buildings but as far as them having like a complex infrastructure and like building uh, like settlements and stuff like that I don't know that that's necessary to either the mythology or their you know, they're existing as a species. I don't yeah. think that's really critical to what they're doing. Not like humans true. where we've evolved to the point that we need an iPhone or we will die. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I have. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the uh, the lack of uh, like mer villages is a deal breaker. So I, 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 I would go with lungs as a breathing mechanism. So kicking off of that... Moving on from breathing, I want to talk about speaking, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. can mermaids speak underwater? Can they communicate at all with each other underwater? I think it would be really cool for them to have ASL, or, sorry, sign language in general. That would be another compelling, like, evolutionary reason for them to spend all of that, like, inefficiency and energy to have hands. Hands. Yeah. That's very true. that's, That's interesting. Yeah, so... Of course, we know that animals can make noise underwater and that things like orcas can have pretty complex systems of sounds. Yeah, mermaids don't really need to have ears, do they? Not like us. That goes on to my next point, which (laughs) I really want to talk about those ears because... That makes no sense. Do well, mermaids have ears? The hair is covering the ears, right? Yeah, that's so true. Maybe they don't. Also true. I can't imagine anyone would ever have noticed if the mermaids actually have ears right. or not. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's yeah, canon mermaids I mean, don't have ears. <laughs> I mean, granted, hearing above the surface of the water could help them locate prey. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they wouldn't need it. Do they spend more time above or below the water? I would have to imagine below. If they, if they're only ever, like, if they have those, uh, like, thin lower halves, it would make it pretty difficult for them to maneuver on land. And I also don't feel like there's many, many tales of mermaids, uh, unless they're, like, metamorphosing I don't feel like there's many tales of mermaids dragging themselves out of the sea to come get you. So I I imagine they have to live primarily in the water. I feel like not being able to hear at all underwater or not possessing some sort of sonar capabilities Mm -hmm. would put them at a big disadvantage. I mean, dolphins can hear you out of water because they can take voice commands, can't they? And whistle commands. So. Mm -hmm. So maybe their hearing is like less precise out of water. Um, or it's just using a different just, organ. Yeah. They just wouldn't be ears, though. Like, we know them. Like, human ears. Yeah, yeah they probably not. could have something like a melon. Yeah. Uh, See, that's the thing. Ish. Like, I, re- I remember reading that. Like, creatures that can hear underwater, like whales and dolphins, they have melons, which are those big mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Organs because the sound the waves transmit differently through water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have sinus cavities to basically make our uh, our heads less heavy. So maybe those are filled with whatever the um, stuff that a melon's filled with to help kind of like... Is that what sinus cavities are for? I think so. They're to make your head less heavy. I mean, it makes I'm sense. Sure I'm not disagreeing with you. Several purposes. But... Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, I do like the, the sign language thing. And certainly uh, there are plenty of examples in nature of animals using body language of some kind of varying complexities to communicate rather than like audio do you think they can make the sort of noises that dolphins and whales can make like that or have that sort of sonar capability that's certainly i guess the most the most efficient sound Uh underwater is that like clicking and squealing sort of noise i mean it's certainly not as good as something like sign language for communicating more complex ideas Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but it would also be great for, you know, like, if the water's murky yeah, or whatever, yeah. if they're not in perfect crystalline, like, Caribbean water. Mm-hmm. Which they always are, because they're extra. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's not true. The lake mermaids gotta get some silt going at some point. Um, but I believe that the hypothesis for human speech is that our ability to speak actually had an impact on the evolution of our faces and mouths and throats. So there's no reason to think that that wouldn't be true of mermaids' hands also if the sort of rudimentary basics of a sign language made it an evolutionary imperative for them to develop more complex hands, which was a benefit for this whole, like, sailor eating thing as far as like humanoid camouflage and also uh you know allowed them to develop a more complex system of communication something that i really like in fish um as a sensory system but i've never seen depicted on mermaids and actually rarely see it depicted on fish in like drawings or anything is the lateral line system which is this line that kind of goes down the side of each of their bodies of like tiny little pores and it's what allows them to really sense water movements which is why it's so hard to like catch a fish Mm. in the water is that they've got this very sensitive pressure system that lets them know about uh, water currents around them that's cool yeah and you almost never see it drawn because it's it's uh a lot of times very very subtle Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So mermaids could totally have it, and it just doesn't turn up in the paintings because nobody ever looks that close at a mermaid. Because by the time you're that close, it is eating you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. Oh, what a a delightfully complex system of theories we've developed for mermaids. I have have one more thing about mermaids that I wanted to point out, which is how they see. Their yeah, eyesight. that's a good question. Because one of the more important things I found out during the research of this exciting topic was that fish eyes are shaped the way they are and they bulge more because 
the way that light refracts in water is very different from the way that light refracts uh, in air. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the shape of their cornea and their eye allows them to see better. Right. But I already have a solution for this. Okay. Oh boy. Do more research. You're so psyched. You just like you like got so, jazzed. Right there. Goggles. We, assume, <laughs> we assume that mermaids we we assume that they don't have bulgy fish eyes because they're never portrayed that way. Yeah. Because that would kill the whole humanoid <laughs> yeah. camouflage thing. Yeah. As, hilarious as it would be it just it wouldn't work so i found out that penguins can control the muscles around their eyes and reshape them yes they can squint their eyes and put pressure on the eyeball itself Uh to sort of push it out a little and reshape their cornea so that when they're underwater they can see much better the light refracts properly that's awesome that's wild i love it Mm -hmm. so I'm going to assume that mermaids do that when they swim underwater. Great. Yeah. Also, because they got to see each other doing those hand signs. Right. So, yes. Yeah. Or probably more precisely, they somehow shape them when they're above water and mm-hmm. yeah. default yeah. stays. That's very true, because they yeah. do spend most of their time underwater. That does make more sense. Uh-huh. Guys, we've figured out mermaids. Yeah, what? I think we have. <laughs> I like Science. Mermaids. Yeah. This is fun. This is good. Yeah. Also, we're having drinks, so... By, by its very nature. Yeah. I was telling these two that this it's very common to have scientific uh, discussions over drinks and sometimes the best like um like plans for new scientific experiments come during uh sessions at pubs. I feel I'm, like a scientist already. Yeah. 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 Alcohol is very important to human society. This mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. this is the scientific experience. This wine is making me smarter. <laughs> At least more creative, certainly. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you so do you I, want to talk about the merman dicks? Oh, uh, yeah, you called me we, out again. Before we end this episode, we should definitely take a moment. Mermen have two dicks. Mermen have two dicks. I've decided. Wait, why two? Because sharks. Because sharks have two dicks. That's the reason we're going with. Yep, that's the only reason. <laughs> I look, mean, they, look, okay. They don't have to not have two dicks. Mm-hmm. Is there any reason that they wouldn't? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. snakes and lizards have two dicks, and they typically only mate with one female at a time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but there are way more mermaids than there are mermen, right? Yeah. So they probably need them. Okay, so what what I understand about why sharks have two dicks is that their mating season only lasts like a week. Like all the sharks normally are extremely solitary and then they all come to one location and then they all like mate like crazy, just go wild for like days straight. And because like that's their only opportunity to mate because normally they're, they live by themselves. So the reason they have two dicks is I'm not being very scientific about this. The reason that sharks have two penises is so that... <laughs> that was much better. Yes. No, continue. Is that, uh, like, one will get physically tired, and they have to switch to the other one, and then they can switch. So they, like, essentially, like, rest one for a bit, and then go with the other one, and then let the first one recover, and then go back to that one. So... I mean, it it would depend realistically on how mermaids actually mate, like what the the practical reason for that would be. But um, sounds very efficient. Yeah, makes sense. Two dicks is very efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the note we're ending on, anyways. That's how we're wrapping up the episode. <laughs> No, do you guys have anything else you want to throw into the mermaid soup, figuratively speaking? Well, now I'm just thinking about literal mermaid soup. Yeah, yeah, me too. Bully a base, if you will. They're intelligent. We established that. This yeah. is cruel. <laughs> it's wrong. Don't eat mermaids. They're probably very high in mercury because they're high up on the food chain. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Also, they're probably endangered at this point. Yeah, we probably fucked them up really bad. We probably screwed up their environment, yeah. and 
kill them with boats. Well, then and... again, they hunt us for reproductive reasons, so I feel well, like it's a very antagonistic They've, they've lost this evolutionary arms race, is what we're saying. <laughs> Except for all the idiot cave divers. <laughs> yes, all, just... any cave diver who is missing has been eaten by a mermaid. That's official. Don't look it up. It's true. All right, that's how we're signing off? This, okay. I, I don't have a sign-off line yet. Okay, this yeah, is our first there. episode. I'm going to yeah. give you a... Um, a hilarious or a horrific science fact. Please go with a horrific science fact. I feel like that's more in keeping with the theme of this podcast. We need a very alarming science fact that sounds like it's fake. That preferably has to do with the ocean. Yeah. Can I do more of a funny one? It has to do with dicks. Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Dick-based science facts. <laughs> okay. That works too. If I remember correctly, the barnacle has the largest or longest dick to body plan ratio that's true i've also heard that barnacles are just giant dicks okay i've never heard this before it's yeah it's because they got to reach their dick all the way over to the other barnacle wow <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you we've been enriched this day what a good episode what a good first episode Hello, Curious Unnaturalists. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We have social media handles now where I will be posting both real-life animal facts and anything about fantasy animals that I think is neat. You can find us at facebook.com slash theunnaturalists, as well as twitter.com slash unnaturalists, and at theunnaturalists.tumblr.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a rating or a review. If you're the sort of person who likes to give your money to other people, we're the sort of people who like to take it. You can give us real human money at ko-fi.com slash theunnaturalists. Unnaturalists.